Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, weekday mornings at 6am on London DAB Digital Radio and on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and BloombergRadio.com. COP27, the climate summit, begins this weekend in Egypt. The Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, China's rival to the World Bank, aims to allocate at least half of its annual financing to projects that tackle climate change by 2025. But with growing tensions between China and the US, two of the biggest polluters in the world, how to address a warming planet with two warring superpowers? Joining us now is Sudani Alexander, who is vice president of AII and also former Chief Secretary to the UK Treasury in London on his way to Sharm el-Sheikh. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. It's great to be with you here. Yeah, it's lovely to have you on TV and radio. Really appreciate uh, the time that you're sparing for us here on Bloomberg. Let's start off then with the climate change idea. What, in your view, Danny, is the role of the AIIB in fighting climate change? Xi Jinping is one of the leaders not attending this COP27. So as you know, AIB is a multilateral institution. We've grown from 57 members, including the UK, when we started to 105 members around the world uh, today with high standards of governance and quality in our, in our investment projects. And we see a major role for our capital to help our members to make the investments in climate change mitigation and climate change adaptation, which is a crucial uh, issue, particularly uh, in Asia, but also to mobilize private sector finance. So we've committed that that at least half of our investments will be climate financed by 2025, Mm -hmm. and also that every single one of our projects will be aligned with the goals of the Paris Agreement uh, by the middle of next year. That's a common commitment among all the multilateral development banks on which we and the World Bank and the European banks and so on Uh, are working uh, closely together. And so I think multilateral institutions have a critical role to catalyze the implementation of the commitments that were made in Glasgow uh, last year at COP26. So where are the needs most acute um, and how much stress are you seeing in AIIB's loan portfolio, I mean, given China's mounting debt distress? Well, so the needs in terms of climate are across the whole region. But um, for AIB, our major clients would be in India, where they've got a huge program of renewable energy investment, which we're uh, supporting. In Indonesia, where uh, they have, again, a a big program of renewable investment, but also where climate change adaptation is critically important. And so uh, we're making uh, equity investments. We're also investing in capital markets to try and strengthen the flow of other kinds of finance Mm -hmm. to particularly uh, renewable energy, uh, low-carbon transition, uh, and, 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 and so forth. Um, and so, you know, AIB is a AAA-rated institution mm-hmm. um, based on the fact that we have st- a strong capital position from all of our uh, member countries and that, the, 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 you know, the strong governance, like the World Bank or the Asian Development Bank, which are our key partners, uh, means that 
there's a lot of assurance uh, around the, the, the strength and financial sustainability of our institution. But it's not, um, it's not an institution um, without, I suppose, some issues. The US and the West are concerned about China's growing influence around the world. This is, although a multilateral, uh, multilateral institution, it is driven out of Beijing. AIB is expanding beyond Asia, a base, for example, in Abu Dhabi, uh, I was reading about in UAE. If there is concern about China's influence on the rest of the world, should there be that concern around AIB also? No. Um, AIB is a multilateral institution. It's not beholden to any one uh, member country. The agenda we have is one that's driven by all of our members working together. Mm. As you say, we're increasing our global presence. We're opening uh, our first office uh, in Abu Dhabi, which will help us to, to better serve uh, many of our of our client countries. Uh, all of the members sit round the table in the board discussions to determine what is the strategy, what are the objectives, what are the projects we're going to finance. So, it's it it. it I think multilateral institutions actually, in a way, because the global community is finding it harder to work together on many issues. Multilateral institutions have a more important role because those are institutions that are created by many countries with a common agenda to mm. help achieve those those objectives. But it's like obviously on a common change. agenda that isn't that is in some ways runs counter surely to western led institutions but i think if you if i i don't really agree with that because you know you go to cop 26 last year in mm. glasgow all of the countries of the world signed up to the Glasgow Climate Pact, which sets a global agenda for tackling climate change. And all of the multilateral institutions, AIB, World Bank, uh, EBRD and others, are playing their role to then deliver that global agenda. It's precisely around challenges like climate change where the world community has to come together because the challenge is so great that if we allow ourselves to become uh, fragmented uh, on those issues, then we will fail to keep temperature rises below the two degrees and around the 1.5 mm. degrees that is the goal of the Paris Agreement. That is an overriding global goal. And even with all the current short-term crises, that long-term crisis has to motivate us almost above everything else. The, the rhetoric out of the US and out of the West um, is increasingly hawkish around China, um, increasingly... Um, Chinese businesses are being blocked or scrutinized more heavily. Um, you know, just the latest US uh, tech and chip stock issue. Do you see a bigger economic war between the West and China as so many others do see now? Well, it's not really for me to comment on these on these political issues between our between our, our, our members. Um, but you're right to say there are clearly a lot of challenges in uh, in the global economy, mm. some of the ones you've mentioned, but also some much broader challenges. You know, you look now at the at the at the at the consequences of the war in Ukraine, the issues for global commodities, for food, for fuel. Mm. I mean, uh, it's easy to talk about these issues through that political lens, but when yeah. you look at it from the point of view of developing countries, actually, developing countries are facing a perfect storm for their for their development. You okay. know, global poverty is is rising rather than falling. That's that where is, development I mean, institutions come into play. Russia is AIIB's third largest shareholder, so it is directly relevant in that sense to AIIB. That's right, and immediately uh, the war broke out, we stopped all of our business in, in Russia, along with all the other international institutions. We're, we're not progressing any projects or investments there for, for reasons you would fully understand. Uh, that's an example, actually, of AIIB's very strong multilateral governance. Okay. Also, of course, uh, you're very well known in the UK uh, for your various roles in government. Um, so I would like to ask you a few questions about that, if you don't mind. Um, you were one of the kind of original architects of austerity, the, the first version. Can it be done again, in your view, under Sunak and Hunt? Well, it was, you know, back in 2010, we had the consequences of the global financial crisis. 
Um, there was a real need to get the UK's public finances back in order to uh, underpin uh, growth and, and, and development of the UK in, in, in future. And actually, when the coalition government finished in, mm. in 2015, you know, the economic forecasts were looking quite 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 positive. It is obviously challenging now. It's a challenging situation. Challenging is an understatement. Yeah, probably it is. Even more, even more challenging. I mean, 18 months of recession, massive cost of living crisis, mortgage rates have gone up to 6%. These are enormous. These issues. are enormous, enormous challenges. And, and um, Jeremy Hunt... Uh, and his colleagues have an extremely big job to do. It's not. It's. it's I, I'm not. I don't live in the UK anymore. I'm not in a position to comment on all of the, of the, of the, of the, of the details. But um, clearly, uh, after 2010, we made some extremely difficult decisions to yeah. get the country back on 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 the right track. Uh, and it's a, It's. I suspect even more difficult now, uh, to 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 do it again. And I'm sure that is that is going to be something that, you know, I think the issue that we face, and I, and I'm sure uh, it's the same now, is how do you uh, get the balance right between uh, taking the steps you need to take to stabilise the economy, while at the same time doing so in a way that is that is fair and doesn't hit the poorest in the country uh, uh, hardest. That's a, that's that's. I mean that that must be the the right motivation. So we'll, I'm sure people will look at it through through that lens. Mm. And how do you also help people through these these very challenging short term situations like with energy prices? I don't know what the right answer is. Um, and I'm not but here you in the UK. Must have a hunch about whether it's right to cut public, you know, public spending in the way that is expected. I mean, the the forecast is is a is a hole of between, well, depending on the the analysis, between thirty and sixty billion pounds in terms of public finances. Bloomberg Economics thinks, thinks thirty five, maybe fifty percent from tax rises, fifty percent from slashing public spending. Do you have a view on on? You know whether there is more to cut uh, in terms of public spending. It's a long time since I was involved directly with that, so I'm not really going to give any kind of detailed detailed commentary. But um, I do know that um, that to, to do that is even more challenging based on what's happened over the last over the last few years. And I, I'm sure that's why uh, Jeremy Hunt will take you know great care to 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 handle this properly. As to what the outcome will be, I can't comment on that. Okay. In terms of growth, I mean, everybody seems to now have coalesced around this view that growth has been so slow in the UK and that that is the one key that needs to change. Is there something that Britain needs to do to, you know, what is, I guess, the one, the one thing that Britain should do to boost growth? Well, b back in the period when I was in the government, we had a, um, we had a big focus on infrastructure investment yeah. as, as part of the, 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 the long-term growth story. Well, that's what I'm doing now in Asia for 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 developing countries, and I continue to believe that um, you know uh, well targeted, well thought through, high quality infrastructure projects have a significant role to play in long term uh, sustainable growth. Um, and you know, when again in that period when I was responsible, yeah. you know, we sought to maintain the spending on the most growth enhancing infrastructure, for example, around transport, even though in other areas we had to reduce spending. Now that will be harder. But yeah, from, those are the areas that are being considered for cuts now. But from a growth point of view, infrastructure investment is clearly very important. Um, I I mentioned that you uh, you know the, the, your your history in, in in government and politics in the UK. You also um, had a hand in setting up the OBR, the Office of Budget Responsibility, which is the independent watchdog that kind of marks the government's homework. We were speaking to the Trade Secretary this week, Kerry Badenoch. She was another government minister that bashed the OBR in terms of talking about having a different view to the OBR, even though it's the independent government watchdog. This is really weakening the system in Britain, surely, to have ministers repeatedly undermining. I suppose, what do you make of it, having 
had a hand in the creation of the OBR. Well, I haven't followed these debates recently, but I can say that the, the, the reason we set up the OBR mm. was precisely to have an independent view of the uh, economic forecasts. You know, I think in the past you'd often seen government sometimes tweaking the economic forecast to make their job a wee bit easier. Um, I think having an independent view, which is transparent, helps a lot with the quality of decision making and the, and, the, and, the, and the transparency around the economic processes in this country. Now, it's then a matter for the government. How does it decide to react to that? That's, that's exactly but as, as it should be. you have faith in the, the OBR as it is set up, as it functions? I, I, I think that the institution of the OBR is a really important innovation in the quality of UK economic decision making. Um, uh, I haven't followed its work in the last few years, so I can't, I can't comment on that. But, but as an institution, um, it was set up to play uh, uh, you know, a, an, an important role. And it's, it's one that I think has strengthened economic governance in the UK. Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, weekday mornings at 6am on London DAB Digital Radio and on demand via the Bloomberg Business app and BloombergRadio.com. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.